Welcome, everybody, to Bible on the Rocks. Today's story, we're going to be talking about Ehud the left-handed judge from the book of Judges, chapter 3, verses 12 through 30. As a general disclaimer, the views and opinions shared are those of the participants only and do not necessarily reflect those of any Christian denomination, nor do they reflect those of any of our sponsors. So sit back and enjoy as we explore the Bible with Bible on the Rocks. My name is Ed, Big Daddy Johnson. And my story comes to us from the book of Judges. And you might say, why would you start with a judge? I'd say it's not a judge. It's a leader. And so this is where we'll start. Once upon a time, there was a Benjaminite. (laughs) And when I say Benjaminite, what I really mean, he was supposed to be right-handed, but he was left-handed, and not in the way that you might be thinking right now. Wait, 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 what I be thinking? <laughs> what I be thinking? You tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking he uses his left hand. He actually does use his left hand. <laughs> So it's exactly what you were thinking. thinking. Because he was from the tribe Benjamin, and he was a Benjaminite, you'd think he was a right-handed fella. But come to find out, he was a lefty. Nonetheless, there was also a king named... Eglon. Eglon. That's right. I say say we go Eglon. Eglon? I like Eglon because it sounds like... Uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> now, unique fact. He's I now heard, Eglon. I heard that Eglon is from Ghostbusters? No, e- Eglon. Egon. 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 So, according to some sources, which could be suspect, Eglon. Eglon? Eglon could mean small cow. Mm. Mm. Little so this cow. is getting like an insult about how fat he was. Yeah, like a little cow. I read mm. another yeah, one. Another, another, another. Wow. Or fat bull. Fat bull. Oh. That sounds better than little cow. There's oh, not okay. a clear translation from the Hebrew, though. Mm. That's the problem. Is it's a, they're making jumps because they don't have. There's no direct transliteration of it. All right. So well, Eglon. So we got we got a left-hander and Eglon, and then what's next? Well, the left-hander is not Eglon. No. It's Ehud. 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 Right? Ehud. Right. going Ehud? Yeah. Ehud. You want to you call something else? Ehud. Ehud. I like Ehud. If we go Ehud, we should go Eglon. No. I heard a great uh, bad dad joke that Ehud is not like short for electronic hood. It's just his name. It's Ehud. You're right. That was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can we no, edit that out? Oh, yeah, that's really bad. God, that Did you just try to do that off the cuff? Like no, I hood? literally heard that joke. I was doing a little research, and I listened to a really bad podcast from a preacher talking about this. And he was like, for you millennials out there, Ehud is his name. It's not short for electronic hood. <laughs> and I was like, that would be horrible. To oh, have that's that <laughs> What's electronic hood? All right, I got a better... Well, it's like uh, e, like an e-book or e-whatever, e like e-cigarette, and e-anything. Yeah, I got a better <laughs> I got a better joke. 
<laughs> Are you sure? I already know we're going to It's really good. Up. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> I hate Russian nesting dolls. Why? They're so full of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got we got we got Eglon or Eglon. Eglon. And then Ehud, Ehud. who's Ehud. a judge, Ehud. Yeah. who's a judge, he's Ehud's a judge, but leader. but a leader. We're going to go with leader, not judge. Why le- really? Yeah. Why? Why are you going with leader than the, judge? Would you like to? Yeah, you sure. want to chip in here? In the Hebrew, it's in the Hebrew in the context of that name of judges, it's better translated as a leader than a judge. Interesting. Everyone even else before related, us got it wrong, right? Even though it's even though they're relate, it's a relatable. It's related. <laughs> We're changing breaking history. new ground here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole book is named the wrong. Is, yeah, yeah, but it's the wrong name. Leader as the name of a Bible book doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But judges sounds cool. Sounds cool. If there was a Bible book named Leader, that would be the only Bible book we'd pay attention to. Leader. Yeah. What about, what about the Eric I mean, International version it's of the judges. Bible? Judges, because there were multiple judges or leaders. Right. But in the Hebrew, it's better. The better translation yeah. is leaders. All right, that's good. Okay, so Eglon Ehud. Or which Eglon. one's which? Whichever. Ehud. Ehud is the leader or yeah. judge. Eglon is the Moabite king. Yes. Yeah. Had you described, you hadn't described that yet. Not yet, but I was going there. Sorry, but, no, 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 there. go ahead. No, 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 no. This needs tell to be a team effort. This no, needs tell to be a story. team effort. No, you, we're good. We're good. We got the plot. We got the in. players. We got the players. No, we, we don't want to yeah. take your thunder. There's two players. So far. All right. So, Ehud, the Benjaminite. Which means right-handed, skillful person. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is ironic. It's it almost is. an ironic thing. It, which it, is the only. It's reason, not almost. It is the only reason I know this story and suggested it for us to talk to. Also, is because I am left-handed and my dad knew a lot about the Bible and was like, uh-huh. "Oh, you're left-handed. You should see this story from Judges." And like, read it to me when I was like seven or eight, and I was like, "This is crazy." And I was like, "And it's awesome because it's all about the guy being left-handed. Is how it happens." And I was like, this is really cool as a left-handed person. Usually history is like not so kind to left-handed people. They don't like yeah. talk about it. They haven't like, done a lot of good for the world. Except, <laughs> except and, in this case, in the Hebrew, they say he has two right hands. Yeah, so which even is, though you're left-handed. Which is just an extra stab of the yeah, right-handed gonna, sort of. We should bring you know, the right the, so, yeah, the, so if the you're right-handed if, yeah, hegemony. Yeah. If you have the something. skill of a left hand, why would you say, oh, you're double right-handed? Like Right. Like, Right, it's just like just just poking yeah, me in like the eye over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, what's right. next? What happens <clears throat> now? Yeah. What happens now? So the Israelites, they're in a tough spot. <laughs> a really tough spot. Like a tough spot that probably none of us have experienced, if you think about it. Right. And so they have. What was that? He said true that. <laughs> true that, bro. Roger. Anyway, they are now basically in servitude to this other king. And part of their servitude is each year they have to take, the best way for us to understand it is taxes, right? And they have to take these taxes to Eglon. All right. So Ehud is the one that gets to do this. So he gathers all the provisions or whatever it is they're doing and gathers the people and he goes and delivers it. All right. We're all good. That makes sense. He delivers it, blah, blah, you're paying your whatever. So then he's on his way out. 
And he actually leaves, and he leaves with all his peeps. Like, they're on the way out. <clears throat> on the way out, they they cross this sacred space for Eglon and his folks. And he stops. And he just kind of... The way I envision it is he just kind of, like, steps back and lets the other folks keep going. And he turns around. And he goes back to the king. This and is, he, like, after they gave... They gave the yeah yeah taxes. they've already given the tribute or the taxes. So Ahud had like a posse with him. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Definitely a posse. Okay. It was probably continue. a diplomatic envoy. Yeah. Ooh, a diplomatic envoy. That was larger than we are. More than five. Yes. So he's on the way out. He he kind of pauses by their sacred spaces, <laughs> lets them go on, and he goes back towards the king. And he was like. I got a message for you. A mm. secret message mm. for you. Mm-hmm. Right? God. So then he gets towards the king. And the king's in a small, upstairs, private room. Okay? Why did you do, why did you do quotes? When you do <coughs> Air quotes? Air quotes yeah. around yeah, the room. Yeah. Around room. Because it's like a chamber. Because I wanted you guys to highlight it, so thank you. <laughs> <coughs> so then... So then... The uh, King Eglon sends everybody else away. And so at this point, as we understand, it's King Eglon and Ehud, and that's it. Does he send, does Ehud say, like, a special message just for the king? Or, like, like how does he get yeah. along with the king? He says, special message just for you? From and God. From God. He adds yeah. from God. First he says, I have a word for you. And then when Eglon, it piques Eglon's interest, and he sends everybody away, he says, it's a... A secret word for you from God, which piques Eglon's interest even more. Wow. So is there something... And they close and lock the door. Why would he be excited about that? Is there something like... Hold on, hold on. Let me ask you. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Oh, that is... Oh, my gosh. This is the worst snack for... (laughs) I know. (laughs) What were you thinking? I saw him walk in with a bag of Doritos, and I was like, what? Yeah, I said, thanks for the ASMR. Yeah. (laughs) I need to say something right now. Sorry. When Ehud met Eglon, he yeah. did not take him a bag of Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Just money. It's a message from God. <laughs> Eglon would have appreciated the bag of Doritos, I guarantee it. He probably would have. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so hang on. So, um, so you want, you paused. What's, what's our message here? What do we need to know? You said you wanted to say something to Brett. I did. Yes. Do you remember yeah. what you wanted to say to him? I do not. Do you want me to leave, <laughs> do you want me to leave the room? Yeah. No. No. You should stay. Okay. So Eglon was really interested in what you had to say. To yes, yes. That was what I was wondering. I said, yes. yes. So, Why was so, he so here's interested? The hey. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. If you got a text from right, anybody, okay. someone comes to you. That you've you know obviously because you've yeah. met them right. Oh, so no. the, we think they've met before because Ehud. Well, is yeah, a leader. they met like I mean, even if it was two or three days before, like he brought the tribute, he, the tribute he brought the tax, like you've met this dude. Before. So we think there's a period of time, like a couple days, when he comes back. Quite says, possibly. Oh, okay. It could okay. be twelve hours. It could be three or four days. Because they kind okay. of because they he was walking back. They didn't have cars back then. Okay. Go Are, you sure? Are you sure? Did you know there's cars in the Bible? In Revelation? No, in... Because um, all the disciples... In the Gospels? 
They were all in one accord. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. Now. Can we edit that? Study, <laughs> did you study dad jokes for this? That's literally podcast? a joke from my da- own dad. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. So, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> somebody sent him a message. Somebody. Somebody says to you, "Hey, I got a top secret thing that I need to tell you, and only you. Would you be interested?" Yeah, probably. Maybe I like this guy a little bit because he brings me presents. He brings me tribute, right? He did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, he did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, that's right. And it's people I've conquered. So maybe I think this guy's kind of friendly helping me out. Right. Yeah. All right. Good point. All right. So. So, yeah, I want to hear it. So it's interesting. If you think about this from a leadership perspective, well, maybe not a leadership perspective, but from a person that's in a position of authority, right? And someone comes up to you, oh, I got something to tell you. I got something just for you. Right? Especially the ego of a king. As, well, and especially yeah. if it's the number one guy yeah. from some, you know what I mean, of another, you know, if you, from a leadership perspective, is the number one guy from another company. Right, right. That you've just performed a hostile takeover for. And, and if you know, you're the guy. Right. Because you already took over everybody. Right. And if you're a fat bastard who wants more. And if you're a fat bastard back then, it's not because you're just eating unhealthy shit. stuff. It's because you can have what. Ever you yeah, want yeah. rich. I want no Twinkies then. I can eat your baby. <laughs> I want to <laughs> eat your I want to eat, eat your baby. For Eglon forever etched in our mind. <laughs> yeah. No, when I think of Eglon, I think of I think of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, Ooh, really? Interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The I'm just I am, a fat bastard, but only I'm on the fat bastard movie. That's why. Yeah. Here we go. Let's hear some <laughs> and Maybe, that was he, pretty good Hebrew. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know you spoke. It. it was pretty good. And he had, he had a little he had a little guy next to him that like laughed. Just, yeah, he, laughed. <laughs> he was locked out. So Eglon is job of the hut. Yeah. We've established right. Now. No, 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 no. I think we, I think, I think like we have hybrid job of. He's either yeah, 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 yeah. Job, yeah. Okay, yeah. Eglon and Ehud. Yeah, a locked so, alone in the quote unquote room. You're alone in the chamber. Yeah. Alone in the chamber. Yeah. Quote chamber. So, yeah. So what's interesting here is this chamber, when you just read certain translations, it's like a small room beside the throne room, right? But if you really look into it, it really might be more like the Portageon. So why would he meet with someone in the portage? Is it he's because he's not more- meeting with him in the portage, John? But this is the king's portage, John. So it's is it probably uh, pretty if, nice? So it's hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it this part is of the in- privacy thing? So he sends everyone no, this out. No, good. Out privacy. So you're the king. Yeah, you're the king of everything. All right. It seems a little strange to me that you'd go into the bathroom. Well, I anyway, well, I moving love, on. I love the imagery of a king that's so full of himself that he yeah. We'll talk Takes to a, his drops a deuce while what somebody is that? comes in. Yeah, what does that say to Ehud? Right? I don't respect you. It's crazy. Hey, I want to hear your message, but follow me in the john. <laughs> Tell me while I'm pooping. And so Ehud. Yeah, that's a good. All right. Yeah, yeah that's pretty disrespectful. So Ehud, I wish I told my wife every day. I wish we had. <laughs> <laughs> that is the wrong direction, Joshua. <laughs> Sorry. That's um, not even true. It's I'm like, like, stop talking to me. I'm pooping. I don't want to ruin our. 
our romance. It's like when my wife's in the shower and I go in there and take a, I close the door and take a hot dump while it's steaming. Oh, oh my gosh! And yeah. she can't do anything about it. It's, right. just, it's a display of power. And you don't <laughs> of, do you spray no anything. And then I walk out and close the door behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and That's disgusting. That's like a display of celibacy. Is no, <laughs> no, no fan, no flow. Well, all right, I, I, got, I follow now. All so, right. So he's, anyway, he's, he's like, I want to hear your message, but I'm going to disrespect you so much right. that I'm going to drop a deuce while you're giving me your right, message. I got it. That makes sense. Yeah. And and the other thing we need to realize is that Eglon, he's a big dude, so he's taking a huge dump probably. It's not on a toilet as we understand it, but if it was on a toilet as we understand it, he'd probably break it. Like, he's a fat dude. Fat? Yeah. So. Yeah. Ehud, of the right-handed Benjaminites, walks in. And so, what's interesting, so he's made this double-edged... Sorry, I love Doritos. It's not crunching. Doritos, it's crunching. I tried to pull back. His jaw's popping. Plus his TMJ. His jaw freaking pops, dude. I've known the guy. I don't know know how long I've known him. Like 20 years? Yeah, it seems like forever, but his jaw has always done that. Do you know who else loved Doritos? Who? Eglon. Mm. I'm sure. Yeah, he did. My whole life's goal is to be Eglon. He probably ate him on the job. Every day I'm like, today's the day I'm going to eat healthy. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm going to be Eglon today. Two cheeseburgers from McDonald's for lunch. I'm Eglon. Yeah. <laughs> regular or double? Just regular. But it was Why don't two you just them. go with one double cheeseburger? Because they have a combo deal where you get like two cheeseburgers. And it, I'm like, even though I'm like, these burgers are no good, but but they're also awesome at the same time. Decadent land. All right. Where were we? Yeah. All right. I don't know, but thank you. So they're in the ante room. Yes. Eglon's really fat. He's Eglon's on the fat. Toilet. He's, he's like, so I yeah. want to hear your message. So, we think he's sitting on the toilet disrespecting yeah, yeah. Ehud. Right. So yeah. Ehud. I said I got a message. So but Ehud. I want to drop a deuce Ehud, at the same time. You had just said so, Ehud had crafted a sword. So here's here's what I remember. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, he, he did. did. He did, too. He had just said it. I did. Oh, so here's what I remember. I wasn't listening. I, am, I need to say this at this point. I am not an academic. Like, I wish I was in a lot of ways, but I'm just not. Despite your Master's of Divinity. But, yes, despite that. I'm just not. All right? But... I do remember this from Hebrew class. And so the whole concept was Ehud, everyone's expected to be right-handed back then. And so if you're right-handed, you don't keep your sword on your right thigh. He, however, did because he was left-handed. So if you think about going through all the folks, yeah, that's true. you get frisked or whatever, you're left-handed, you don't get checked there. So that's where he's got it. On his... Right thigh. On his, on his right, right thigh, thigh to reach across right with his thigh. left hand. To and it was smaller, right? Well, it was a... So it was a double-edged okay. blade. double-edged blade. Double edge double edge blade. Yeah. And Some translations say 18 inches. Here's, 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 here's the, the, the problem with ah, the size the of cubits. it. cubits. No, the problem with the size of it is they don't... There's no direct translation of the actual size. But it had to be... Because Eglon was so big. <laughs> it was smaller than a regular sword, so it could be concealed. Yep. But it had to be big enough to... Kill to, somebody. To yeah. kill somebody, the size of Eglon. Anyway, job of the hut, <laughs> right. fat bastard. Fat bastard. Yeah. It's a total fat bastard. Anyway, I don't remember where we exactly last left off. So he was. We, we're you we're, just, we're still sword just, on the 
other side so he could get through security because he's yep. lefty. So the sword is on the other side. He got, got through security. security. Okay. So he's in there alone right. with Eglon, right. armed. Wow. Well, he may be alone with Eglon. He may not be. But Eglon's in the small right. upper room. And so Ehud's like, hey, I got something to tell you. And Eglon supposedly stands up. And then Ehud comes in. And he takes his whatever size it is. It's a cubic sword. Double-edged. And jabs it in his gut. Yep. And so much so that it's enveloped by Eglon's fat. So nobody can pull it out. And so Eglon's bowels pour out. Yes. Like like out of the stab or like he just no, he's cracking. Well, stab, according to King James, the right? Sword is stuck in there. Like you can't grab the sword back out. Yeah, it absorbs so the, the hilt. Bowels the come where out. Where do they come out? So he cramps himself. He, yes. Yeah. Because that word he of what duties comes, himself. Right what in the of, in the King James version, he makes dirt. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. -uh. doesn't really say. It does literally dirt. say he makes dirt. <laughs> Again, the, that's another one of those problematic words. Right. Yeah, a couple of translations just gloss right over it. Well, because they don't really know. We don't really know. And, like, who wants to talk about that? It's kind of... They. I read the NIV. It said he empties his bowels. Yes. That's the only one that that. works. That's most logically what happened if the sword was absorbed into his body. Right. You can't pull the sword out, then there's no poop coming out. Well, if if you're... Let's say if you're going to... If you're about to take a deuce... Right, it's close. Yeah, it's like impending. Like your oh, prairie, yeah. your prairie like, dog. Yeah. I've had that happen. Prairie turtle head. I was going to say turtle, turtle head poking head. out. There's a turtle head poking out. The rat race. You're prairie dogging. Rat race. It's a race. Yeah. yeah. And somebody stabs you. It's just, it's just, you're releasing. You're going to run. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, yeah, you got it, nothing right. less to hold. Like, I got to pee right now. If someone stabbed me, I'm peeing all over this don't, studio. Don't, don't I do bet that you, on my couch. Yeah. I bet you if I tickled you, you'd pee too. You might. That's a valid point. <laughs> you said that kind of I don't have to kill you. I could just tickle you. Right if you have a special message for me, I'm going to deny it and say, tell me later. I don't know what my point was, but okay. So yeah, he so okay, the grabs himself. Over. Right, so he yeah, poops yeah. himself. So he dies. Yeah, poops himself. Yeah. Traps himself, dies. Yeah. Yeah, he got himself. So, so Ehud escapes through the latrine, which basically means he runs through a... Gets Whoa, out of there. wait a second. Really? Yeah. We think. There was like no, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> he crawls well, we through like two hundred yards, like in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. The so only I was option. thinking more Robin Hood. Which getting one? out of the prison? Which one? Kevin oh, Costner. The Kevin Costner Robin Hood. Yeah. Wait, he goes the real one. That's real. Not that's a fist bump. Not the new one with the guy from Kingsman. Oh jeez, I haven't seen that. yet. I seen it was entertaining, one. but it was a really crap movie. I haven't seen it. My kids liked it, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, what about the one where he's a fox? Oh, that's yeah, my favorite, the uh, Disney one. Yeah. The Disney, Disney one. That's yeah. the best one. But he does pretend to like go in the water, pretend to get shot by arrows, and I cried over and over and over again every time I watched it, even though I knew he was fine. Last week. Spoiler alert. Last, he's okay. Last but week. I still <laughs> cried every time. You cry? Yeah. When I was week? like eight or nine and nine. Ten. What about and when he dresses up like a stork? And forty one. You yeah. cry when he dresses up like a stork? No, when he dresses up like a stork, I was like, Who is this guy's name? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so we think he escaped through the latrine? It's possible. Yeah. The yeah. other thing I read is it could have it could have gone through a window and scaled. Yeah. Okay. Down below. Train. All right, so he escaped. He escaped. He did. And but his he servants his servants wait and don't no. come in because he locks the door and they're like 
Oh, he's probably in the bathroom. Wait, who's telling the story? Bad. Not yeah, no, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. This is good. Andy Dufresne crawled through 200 <laughs> yards of shit <laughs> and escaped and he on the for the lightning and the thunder to break his way in. And he escaped on the other side clean. <laughs> and then he went down to Zihuatanejo. <laughs> <laughs> Keep yeah, going. yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's all. All I right, got. thank you, Morgan. <laughs> you there we go. All right, so yeah, where are we? He escapes. <clears throat> so Blade he escapes. in beyond the hill, stuck in the stomach we're, of the fat guy. We're Craps way himself. past Crawls that. down. Crabs himself. He forgot. Crabs himself. himself. Yeah. Escapes. But the servants, the door's locked. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Ehud yeah. escapes. Yeah. Servants come. So to the door. Ehud has time to escape because the servants are like, he's taking a crab. Well, I'm we don't. They don't. Well, they don't. That's right. They say yeah. that after. They, but and that's he's after like, the he's like, like, uh, like, what's going uh, on? They're like, oh man, he's. Well, they're like, oh, the door's right, locked. Right. We should they wait. Smell, they smell it. Out. Yeah. Who's yeah. telling the story, Jeremy? I know. <laughs> yeah. I All can right. tell you who's not telling the story. <laughs> all right, Ed. What happens after he escapes? Well, anyway. All right, all right, all right. Everything y'all said, and then. So so Ehud then goes and gathers the troops, right? Yeah. And then they conquer Aglon's kingdom. And the imagery that I have for that is Braveheart. And it's just, freedom! And they just annihilate them. Yeah. Yeah. And then in a few years, the Israelites do it all over again. (laughs) As soon as they do something right, they go ahead and screw up again and do something wrong. Mm, Who's just like like us? Moral of the story. <laughs> Literarily speaking, this is it's one of the most fantastic Hebrew stories in the Bible. Whoever wrote this, right? Whoever wrote this had some serious skill. And one of the underlying things that you miss in all the translation, this was my favorite thing about reading about it, was the the duality and double entendre that's all over the story. Okay. The whole, it, it's all over it. It starts with Ehud, two right hands, right? You've got Eglon, the fat cow, fat, right? The fat cow, fat bull, who's requiring a sacrifice of Israel, who's going to turn up, turn out to be a sacrifice for Israel's freedom. There is, there is the sacred stones you mentioned. Yes, when he went back and then turned around. Well, he come, when he comes in, they talk about going past those stones. And yep. when he comes out, he goes past those stones. Yeah, that's right. The Jewish people mm-hmm. would have read that. And for them, stones the stones would have represented, in their history, the times that they put stones up to recognize what God had done yep. for them. Right. The like, sword was... The, like that. Yeah, yeah. the sword was... The double-edged sword. Double-edged. It wasn't flaming. It wasn't flaming. We yeah. should have found a double-edged sword bourbon for tonight. <laughs> I looked... Oh, get this. I didn't. The Hebrew word when... <laughs> when you try to find a double-edged bird. <laughs> I didn't. When, when, uh, when Ehud says to Eglon, I have, a, I have a secret word for you from God. The Hebrew word for word that he used could be a word or a thing. So Eglon thinks he's, he's got a word for me. Way. Right. Ehud thinks... I got a sword for you. I got a thing for you. <laughs> That's a sword. The history of the Moabites, they are a... A whole nation spawned from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughters. Mm. You have the Moabites and the Ammonites. Are you sure about that? I am. I looked it up ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike all the previous conversation, which will hopefully will be edited out, <laughs> where I was wrong about Bathsheba. 
We're gonna go ahead and focus now. Do you know what I think you were right about? What the Doritos? Hey, <laughs> hey. I am definitely right about the Doritos. But yes, the Moabites are um, kind of like historically spawned from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughters after Sodom and Gomorrah when they think the world is over. Yeah. So one, it's like that's like a great like, hey, historically, all you Moabites, you're dirty incestuous people that's like an awesome insult from the jews to the moabites but then like that explains why like to the israelites that king eglon or eglon or whatever we're going with from the uh ghostbusters perspective we clearly is... established eglon bro okay okay yeah. stop holding on he was eating doritos really, that was a long time ago he's really trying for some reason to bring ghostbusters i like ghostbusters i have no idea why that's the case but because egon <laughs> is my favorite ghostbuster that's not true he's my second favorite ghostbuster because um bill murray is clearly my favorite ghostbuster even though i can't remember his name bankman bankman i can't remember his name um but bringing it back to the moabites they're bad people. It was a horrible oppression. So one of the things I, cause I did a little research too, and it's like one of the things that it stands out in the Bible is this is like, it's weird that, you know, there's a story sort of celebrating uh, Ehud who would go in and just kind of like lie to somebody, then assassinate them, then go back to his people and kind of organize them to come back and then kill all their warriors. It seems like kind of deceitful, kind of not normally like what we'd consider sort of Christian or or even godlike behavior. But the point is that he's really like a horrible guy, Egon, because he's from this horrible Moabite background. He was very oppressive. And you think about like, you know, for us, it's like Hitler, Saddam Hussein, like any of these like bad dictators that like when you think about, oh, this guy got murdered by somebody in some horrible way, like it would clearly be a story told to the Jews that they would just like revel in hearing this like great fact that this horrible oppressor got his just desserts. And it's not like somebody we should like feel any kind of compassion for, especially when you're like he was like you know, a glutton who like was like disrespectful to the leader of the Jews who came to give them tribute and he was in the bathroom and all this stuff like that. Just constant like insult to injury almost because he's just such a bad guy and like a any sort of vengeance you know wrecked upon him is like just desserts, if you will. It's like a Jewish zero dark thirty. Yes, right. Like we don't care why we're happy that. It, that Bin Laden got killed, right? And it's the same story, for, like, for them. Exactly, yeah. And they would have reveled in it. Yeah. Because there's all kinds of stuff in here that they would have been like, oh, those dirty Moabites. Right. <laughs> those scumbags. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff in there that, like, is, right. it's polemic. Right. Right, but if you think about the Jewish people who were always the underdog. Right. Who were always fighting off oppressors. It was nation after nation after nation after nation. Like, this would have been their way of holding on to some sense of national identity and purpose. Right, and justice. Like so justice. there's one Just like the, horrible guy did some bad stuff to you, and then he got his... Just desserts. Yeah. Just so desserts. one of the... Love desserts, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? <laughs> No. So one of the, the one of the things I read there's a there's a theory that there's the the Deuteronomic authors and so one of the one of the ideas here is that so so if you look at the entire series of judges it's basically all right so you've got you've got the Jewish people and then they don't so, pay attention to God right. they do something bad and then they are or under or under the authority of of a of another nation right. 
and then a judge rises up. So it's so it's like there's this the cyclical thing, right? So there's this they do something bad, they forget God, and then they pray to God, and then God comes back, and raises up a judge or leader, right? So there's this whole series in Judges where this happens, and then this happens, and then I think I think with Ehud, there's like eighty years of the, of the Jews have peace, right? And then the, then it happens again, right? And then then you've got another judge. So there's a theory that it's like a uh, so what we would talk about is is that it's maybe a um, uh, <laughs> describe uh, it describe a hy- it. hyperbolic like uh, a hyperbolic, uh, hyperbolic like a hyperbolic explanation of what was kind of going on in the time right so so there maybe the stuff wasn't being written down and and so they say it's like like a folk tale so kind of like in the United States we've got like the story of John Henry right so so industrialization's happening and John Henry's like. I'm labor or whatever, and I'm going to fight like... Not the Paul world. Bunyan? Yeah. Yeah, Paul Bunyan is another example, right? So, like, I am I chop down trees, and, I, and I'm telling this story because chopping down trees is so valuable, and we can't allow, like, chainsaws or whatever, right? Right, so, right. So and then comes Johnny Appleseed. Oh, yeah, Johnny Appleseed is another Johnny example, Appleseed right? Fitness? So Johnny Appleseed is another example, right? So so it's this like, um, it's this it's a story of like what America was like, right? So it's this and there's lessons there, right? So like we valued hard work and and Johnny Appleseed, right? Is is uh and anyway, so I'm, I'm getting too far down. So yeah. like a folk tale. So I don't the, know so the, he does much, but wear a pot on his head and plant apple trees. But Entrepreneurial. Well, and you enjoy yeah. apples now. Thanks to Johnny Appleseed. And I wear a pot on my head. <laughs> Who doesn't wear a pot on their head? So, and this is one theory, right? So I don't know if it's right, but the idea that it's like, it's like a folktale, right? So, so there's this, so we want to tell like, this is what it was like. So the, so the Jews, we had established our nation, but we've got other nations that are opposing us. Ehud, right? So, so like there's a story, right? And that's where it's like, even Eglon means like, like fat bull or, or or maybe they were making fun of him and it was a little cat. Yeah, so they're making fun of him. He's a fat guy. And they're like, so there's probably some truth to it, right? So there was like a nation and then they somehow defeated them. But it's like a it's like a folk tale, right? Like we tell like this is how we celebrate the history of the Jewish people. Right. I don't know. I don't know why I even started bringing that up. I think I got you. It's like um, the difference between it being a part of their literal history, the Alamo, versus Deuteronomic Deuteronomic editors that were trying to teach the Jewish people or give the Jewish people a way to learn lessons about life, like Aesop's yeah, fables, yeah, right? Exactly. Aesop's fables. Yeah, sure. That have truth to it, but there's no, but it's not necessarily something that actually happened. And I'm going to tell you the way it was written. It was the way it was written, like the literary quality of it. It's guaranteed somebody was like trying to do what you're talking about. Well, and that's how I feel like when you look at the history of the Moabites and the Ammonites, it's like, yeah, these are the people who kind of we are constantly fighting with. By the way, they're the product of incest. And like, so you get to think of them (laughs) as like low people. And like, maybe they are. But the, the point is, though, that story is there. So the Jews can say Moabites are inbred. There's probably some historical validity to sure, it. Yes. The, kernel of the point of, right, there's like the Jews are in a, so low in the day of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, right? So the Jews are, the Jews have come into the promised land. There's a bunch of other nations there. And I don't want to get into economics, but occasionally the other nations like take them over. And then there's this, there's this kind of this process of where if we believe, if we believe and turn to God, God will be on our side, but if we don't, right, then then these other nations. So there's like this lesson here, right? Of yes, yeah. And along those lines, right? So the the issue is as Joshua dies, 
which is the end of Joshua and the Sardar Judges, which is where Ehud the story is, right? There's this transition to, you were supposed to cleanse the promised land and be an all-Jewish, all-God-fearing state, but you don't. You don't go all the way, and you leave a bunch of native people behind with their native sort of religions. And so that's a distraction constantly to the Israelites, where they turn from God and worship the other, the, gods, the other yeah. gods, right? And so God bestows his grace and gives raises up a leader and judges, for example, to bring people back and have some power. And then people sin again and they forget. And then he withdraws his grace and they get oppressed and, and sort of suffer. And so I think the broader message there is like you need to cling to God and cling to his message and be like focused on him and not get distracted by the world around us, which is constantly trying to take us our focus away from God. And your your best sort of life, whether it's here or in the afterlife, is focused completely on God and his interaction with you and not on the other sort of parts of the world that are distracting you from him, like materialism and greed and all the things like in our society, which is similar to the kinds of... Or idol worship, which right, is probably what which the is the idol worship, which is what they yeah. sort of struggle with. There's like yeah. Baal and Ashkeroth. I'm okay with that, but I, I look at it differently. Okay. I think that... There's a way, I think this story tells us just as much as about where Israel was and what was going on in Israel as it does about. I'm going to say it tells us more about how Israel was interpreting their identity and existence in relationship to God than it does tell us about God's character, right? I think the story says more about how they, like based off of your potential understanding of it as a Aesop's fable, that it's more in it, the, the cyclicalness of this behavior. And for me, I want to drive it. I, I like to drive it to even more of a human place, which is if we ignore the patterns and direction of living our lives in a way that's, that's whole, that brings wholeness, we're inviting destruction. That's ultimate, for me, I think about that's if God is there, which I, I, I think he is, and I, I mean, I'm really hopeful he is, but I think he is. But if he is, really, what he wants for us is wholeness, right? To participate with him in the world to bring goodness and order to the chaos. Wholeness in a sense. He wants a relationship with us, right? No, well, the Bible doesn't talk about it that way. That's my, that's the. What does wholeness mean then? Wholeness is, uh, completeness. Jesus talked about it when Jesus said, be holy as I'm holy, be perfect as I'm perfect. He's talking about being complete as a human being. The way we were, in the beginning, we were created to reflect the presence of God in the world. Our first parents were. And the way that that wholeness expressed itself was by aligning themselves with God's purpose for creation, which was to bring order to the chaos. That's the whole point of the first story. And that polemic, right? And wholeness within the Jewish mindset is compared to the the original word for sin in the scriptures actually is related to an unhemmed garment, something that's incomplete, that's not finished. That's the original. The first time that word shows up, that shows up, that's what it means. So wholeness as compared to that, somebody who is... Jewish people would say has shalom with God, which is we translate directly as peace, but actually has to more more to do with rhythm and harmony, right? And we live in the world in a way that's meaningful and harmony, bringing peace, goodness, wholeness. That's what I mean by wholeness. It's a deeper sense than just the the peace we talk about. Right. It's not just peace. It's it's there's a fullness of life that comes with being in the rhythm of the way that we're created to be. If you break with that rhythm. You invite destruction. You break with the rhythm. You invite you invite incestuous oppressors into your life. Right. But when you return to the wholeness, which the scriptures would call repenting, right? You turn back towards the source of wholeness, 
and meaning. Complete turnaround. Repentance is what it would, would it be called in the, in the scriptures. There's a, a return to the wholeness. But then if you break with the rhythm again. So I just try to think about it in more human ways than for us, to me, like I, I'm okay with, with thinking about it in a religious sense. I think the wholeness a, is, is kind of almost impossible task, right? So humans... Sisyphean. I was going to say Sisyphean, but I didn't want to bring in, like, my political philosophy background. <laughs> it's like, it's Yeah. We can't achieve that that wholeness, right? Ultimately, right? So so the with the judges, right, it's this, it's this idea that, like, for a time, maybe we can turn back to scripture, right? Yeah, it, that's, you're right. It's a and there's this whole cyclical right, sure, thing. Sure, sure. So that's why, you've, that's why there's not just one judge. It's like... All right, so they had peace for a little bit because this judge, this leader came in. They returned to what Moses, so that's, so they came in, Moses, here's the law, right? And here's here's how we respect or revere God. I don't I don't know. I'm I'm Here's how we should behave. Yeah, here's how we should behave, right? We live in the world the way that God wants us to. Yeah, exactly. So, well, as as close as we can approximate, I guess. And then we then we f up, right? And then and and the scripture makes it like right, like so God allows these other things. So there's like this hedge of protection, and then God allows these other nations to oppress you as a, as a lesson. And thank goodness there's this leader to take out the enemies, and then we kind we kind of understand. And it's kind of like the cyclical nature, right? And then ultimately we get to Christ. Right. And then even after Jesus, we continue the cyclical nature. For sure. But there's something different after Christ comes, right? Right. It becomes the sort of like, we, we don't have to earn it anymore, right? And the Old Testament is all about trying to earn it back, earn it back, earn it back. And then there, Jesus comes and you don't have to earn it anymore. There are people who would disagree with that. That even in the, that the Jewish system in painting Judaism or even the Pharisees as a, an earning of salvation... It's not an accurate description of what it meant for them to be in covenant with God. They believe they were in covenant with God no matter what, right? And we are, we are, but but we can't fulfill our end of the deal. I guess if if you ever. think of it a, yeah. as a covenant, right? So God God does covenant with you, but we're always going to fall short of our end of it. And so without Christ, and I'm even doing this with my hands because there's this gap between God and us, right? But without Christ, we can't cross that gap. Sure. So can I ask a question? While you're doing that with your hands, are you right-handed or left-handed? <laughs> I'm right-handed. Okay. Just I'm left-handed. Make sure. Sort of. Well, and that's... Right. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, that's the You're gospel. double right-handed. Ooh. I'm not that. You are double right-handed. You're double right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> you're still a righty. You're, you're still, still a righty. I'm a lefty at heart, double but right-handed. I had three older brothers who were right-handed, so all my sports stuff is right-handed because that's what they taught me. But they did not care about how I wrote. Mm-hmm. So my left, I'm left-handed when it comes to writing and drawing. So your primary so- your I'm sport is soccer. Your primary sport is soccer. Are you right-footed or left-footed? I'm accurately better with my left foot, but stronger with my right foot. Because, again, I, I grew up righty in my mind. Yeah. So to your point, Tim Keller is a pastor up in New York. New York. Yeah. I've heard That's of the Tim Keller. I've heard yep. of the Tim Keller. He's good. Well, he talks about work. it, right? He says... We said a covenant, but religion says this God is up here, mm-hmm. and religions, all religions, even ones that are coming the Christian flavor, say we if we do these, this, this, and this, we can make our way up there to God. But he says the gospel's different because God's up here and we're down here. We could never make it there, so He comes to us, and yeah. we don't have to go there. Yeah, that's Tim Keller's analogy for what you just described. Kind of, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I still think it's possible. I think it's important though, because the Jewish people. It, there was no frame of reference for Jesus for them. 
But there's still this ass. Kind of. Yeah, sure. There wasn't. Kind they of. had no idea. Especially in Judges. Well, Way well, back then. They would, no, they would have had no idea. Psalms and all that stuff. In well, if Jesus Jeremiah. is the fulfillment of the law versus changing the law, then there's this idea that the... I mean, there's at least the idea, right, that the law is really tough. Yes. And we can never fulfill it. I don't and you think have the, the promise. And you have way. the promise to Abraham, which is from like, yes, you're going to create a nation from you, but from your from your nation, I'll bless all nations. Yeah, but they had so no. Point yeah, Jesus, but they, but they I, would I, have. I gotcha. They would have had no idea until about David. That. I feel like there was no even sense of an afterlife. And the Messiah, yeah, well, yeah. Again, the that evolved for well, sure. Right, right, but right, but it's still just like afterlife evolved for the Jewish people. Messiahship evolved for the Jewish people. I mean, yeah. It was really late for them that it's they like started talking Isaiah, about uh, until Isaiah came along, which is post Judges, right, and gave a lot of the a lot of the prophecy around what what Jesus would be. Even then, right? Even for them, it would have they would have been thinking about right then. Sure, and they, there's they a had very temporal political interpretation. There's right? a very temporal view, right? Right, political interpretation of the Messiah for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I think, but I think from the Dealing with land, blessings on earth, and all that. Because kind of remember, stuff. even the government, even when Jesus showed kingship. up, the, the people that attacked him were the religious Jewish leaders, right? Because on Palm Sunday, they're like, "You're the political revolutionary we wanted," and then and they were like, like, "Oh, you're not, yeah. oh, and we want to get rid of you." Technically, that was before it was called Palm Sunday. So that's true. Is there a moral to the story of Ehud, the left-handed judge? Left-handed people kick ass. That's moral one. Okay. Second moral. <laughs> when we read this story, we're like, holy crap, that's like horrible. And this guy just like lied to somebody and then executed them. And it seems like kind of intense. I feel like the what I've read and studied is the other lesson to take from that is God will use both others and when we think about ourselves, our brokenness to like move forward his like plan mm-hmm. in life. Right? So... What Ehud did was like not sort of not something you should really celebrate, even though it's pretty badass. Like um, but the, the Jewish I- people that read it would have celebrated, right? But the idea, yeah, like when we look back at from like a modern view on it, you might say he's lied, he was like dishonest, and he just like murdered somebody. That's like, oh, what is that? That's not Christian. It's like, well, God will drive His message forward and His plan for the world, however He has to, and so He might, and just like we're broken. We could, the things we do that are also similarly maybe bad or, or we're bad people, just like Ehud was a bad, maybe a bad person. The point is that God's like overall control of the narrative of history is in control and he's like working it out how he wants. You just described the duality that I think the author was trying to go for. I don't know if he was, but I know it's in there. But the duality of something that seems bad produces good. Right. Right. They, they, exactly. They're not. They don't. They're not mutually exclusive from each other. Yes. Yeah. Like I, we talked about earlier. Like, if someone had killed Hitler, right? Would we really think that was bad? Because it prevented a lot of bad things. Exactly. Right. Just like we're like, oh, that seems harsh. But like similarly, we're like, yeah, hang on, Saddam Hussein, and same thing with Hitler. We'd be like celebrating anybody who like came in and killed Hitler, even if they like lied to get there. And, like, sort of tricked him. And then, yeah. like, all those things are aside because that's a bad person who did a lot of bad stuff. And so the sort of the, the message there is, like, the, the justices deserve, if you will. Like, yeah. God might have said, like, hey, Ehud, not the most honorable way to deal with your enemies. But in the end, I'm getting what I want done. If like, we, you know what I mean? <laughs> if we were Jews at that time, 
we would have felt like God was exactly okay, yeah. right, with him, with Ehud, Jason, Borning, Eglon, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. we would have felt. Borning. Yes, we yeah. would have. We would have exactly. Borning. Yeah, wow. we would have been. We would have. We would have been totally completely okay yes. with God doing yeah. that. And that's what I think it's our modern like sensibility. Like the time back to like Hitler, Hitler Samus, yeah. and all those other bad dictators, right? Yeah. Same, same way. It's like inglorious bastards. You're like you know fake history or whatever. But it's like. I don't care why you murdered Hitler before he did. Uh, that sounds awesome rather than letting him get to the out of committing suicide. I think lefties are just right-handed imposters. They're right-handed imposters. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's the main lesson. <laughs> but I want to say, regardless of where you stand on faith, right? Right. Regardless of... the left-handed people are the best. No. They're <laughs> right-handed imposters. Right-handed wannabes. Uh... Even if the frame of reference for you is not like us, like God, right? That that's everything works in his plan. Everything works in his favor. I think in general, there's a, a principle within the world that in order for something to be built, it has to be broken. In order for something to grow, something has to die. In order for there to be any kind of movement, there has to be friction. Like our shoes, right? When we walk on the ground, the, both the bottom of our shoes are destroyed and the flooring is destroyed, but it has to happen if we're going to move anywhere. So I think even regardless, if you're not going to frame it through the lens that we in this room share, yeah, I think there's still I still think that there's a enough of a foundation to recognize that even when things happen, it can pro- it can produce movement towards something better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it should. That should be our posture in the middle of crappy things. Is right, crappy. No yeah. pun intended. As Jack Nicholson, as the Joker said, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Or yeah, he originated that. Or <laughs> like, or like the housekeeper and the Mrs. Doubtfire. No, Julia Roberts movie. Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire. <laughs> sitting in the hall I did not see that coming. The best where she's the her best friend's getting married. And uh, my best friend's wedding is it? My best friend's wedding, and she's sitting well, in the hall. It seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> she's sitting in the hall, and, the, and she's sitting in the hall. And she's upset, and the housekeeper of the hotel comes by and says, "Darling, my mama used to say this too shall pass." Hmm. That's true. All right, all right, good job. That seems yeah. like a good place to stop. Yes. Thank, thanks for uh, thanks for telling the story. Yeah. scenes. Nice it. job, Ed. Sweet dude. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a challenge. We made it. Thanks for listening to Bible on the Rocks. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. A special thanks to our contributors, Brett Hinkey, Ed Johnson, Josh Perius, Eric Smith, and Jameson Stubbs. Also contributing and doing sound editing is me, Jeremy Spittle. Finally, be sure to check out Spitfire's other podcast, Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. She's the introvert's extrovert and talks to people, so you don't have to. For now, this has been a Spitfire production. the greatest thing I've ever heard.